thank you for coming. For the last year, in secret, we've been building a new football league. Hey, I'm Earl Herman, and welcome to the new game in town. We've brought together some of the top football experts and some of the greatest players who have ever played the game. Like Heisman Trophy winners Doug Flutie and Herschel Walker. With a commitment to put high quality, top flight football on the field. And the crowd pleasing roles of the Continental Football League bring a thrilling brand of play to an ever growing army of fans. Today, we're going to announce an incredible television partner. The World Football League is bringing you new dimensions and excitement in pro football, and we'll be there to bring it to you on TVS. But I want to back up a little bit and talk about what we all know. America loves football. Only one stat that matters in the XFL. How much of your heart did you leave on that field? So why is there only one league? In the last quarter century, nobody has put real football by real football people on a field in the offseason. The Continental Football League. And the World Football League. The USFL. The XFL. We formed the Alliance of American Football to answer that question. The Alliance of American Football is not the first to try and set up a second football league. In the past half century, the Alliance is the fifth challenger to the NFL's throne. That means that roughly every 10 years, an upstart takes a shot at winning its piece of the football pie. February 9th, 2019, the AAF will add its name to the list of gridiron upstarts, learning from the mistakes of those that came before to try and do something so much harder than it sounds. Give America what it wants, football. This is The Narrative. I'm Harry Swartow. The Continental Football League, the World Football League, the United States Football League, the XFL. Attempts at building a second football league have been wildly different in terms of rules, teams, players, aesthetics, and success. But they all have one thing in common, a kernel of inspiration. I started thinking about this a long time ago. When I was in high school, my dad and Vince created the XFL. That's Charlie Ebersole television producer turned AAF founder and son of Dick Ebersole, who helped found the XFL in 2001. So I called Bill Polian and I invited him to have a meeting and he said, well, let's do breakfast. So I, I traveled all the way out to this little diner, this 50s era diner, and we had what was supposed to be a 45 minute breakfast over uh, pancakes ended up being five hours. At a certain point in time, in five hours, you're drinking like six pots of coffee and the guilt the tip that we left for that diner might have paid the mortgage for the restaurant that year. And out of it came the sketchbook of what could be. All that Ebersol and Polian thought the league could be hinges on an assumption. The same assumption that every new football league has made since the AFL in the 50s and 60s. America loves football and they have an appetite to consume more of it than the NFL can give. When the Super Bowl goes off the air, there are reports that say 70 to 80 million Americans stop watching professional sports on the weekends until football comes back. Meanwhile, football is one of the biggest businesses in the United States. You're talking about anywhere from 17 to 30 billion in revenue among the team and owners. Every sport has multiple places you can watch it and play it other than football. And so the idea that you've got this six month gap almost to the day where no football is being played leaves a huge hole. Football has become so popular that Americans choose it over other sports just about every time. 
Take our former national pastime, baseball, for example. October 9th, 2018's MLB playoff game featuring the Red Sox and the Yankees. Nunez gloves, throws, and in time for the Yankees. Rival clubs with huge fan bases netted 7.15 million viewers, making it one of the highest rated playoff games in the last seven years. Compare that number to even poorly watched NFL games, like Thursday Night Football, which averages 12 million viewers. And football fans don't just watch, they spend. The average football fan will invest $150,000 across their life in their favorite team. That's cash. And then you think about how much time they're investing and the value of that time, you realize that these, these fans, we, the fans, invest a lot. Football seems like a safe sell, but league after league has fallen down, trying to deliver the game to a public who's ready to buy. Luckily for the Alliance, each defunct league has left a blueprint of sorts, things to do and things not to do. But each one starts between the hash marks. First down, win on the field. First and foremost, it's gonna be real, credible, authentic football. And we're in Alabama, we're in football country. You better be able to deliver a top-flight, first-class product because they're going to see through it if it isn't. That's Tom Ward, president of the Alliance football team, the Birmingham Iron. When I saw the people that were involved in this, football experts with hundreds of years of experience, and I just say this is the vision of the future in sports, and I think that's going to be key for us, putting that credible football product on the field because that's what fans expect in this market. Alabama doesn't have an NFL team. But being home to two college powerhouses means that fans in Bama expect the best talent on the field. Credible football starts with great players, supported by great coaches. So one of the first steps for the Alliance was borrowing some of the Cotton State's football talent, right from the source. The interesting thing about our league, first of all, is we have first crack at all the players in the state of Alabama, whether it's Alabama or Auburn or Sanford or Troy or Alabama A&M or State. So... We, uh, we've already signed probably just under 20 players from the state of Alabama. Trent Richardson, Blake Sims, just to name a few. So we're going to have players that the fans here have followed for years growing up through their college career. And now when Alabama and Auburn football is over, that's where we're going to fill that void. The hometown hero approach isn't just for the iron in Alabama either. Each AAF franchise has a sphere of influence. First dibs on players from local schools and castoffs from local NFL teams. The policy is smart for two reasons. One, fans already know and love players that have been lighting up their favorite college scoreboards for years. And two, it cuts down on infighting between teams for great talent. Here's where the defunct 80s football league, the USFL, proved a useful lesson to the AAF. It's been written this past week that you are locked up via your personal services contract with Donald Trump until 1989. Is that true? Yes, that's true. The USFL had modest success in its first few seasons, in part because they didn't overpay talent. A professional sports league is only as strong as its weakest link, and the USFL's gentlemen's agreement to be thrifty collapsed after a few capital-rich teams, like the New Jersey Generals, paid stars like Herschel Walker and Doug Flutie extravagant salaries to forgo the NFL. Other teams couldn't keep up with the general's big spending and collapsed on and off the field, sending the league tumbling like a house of cards. 
While assigning players based on locality helps cut out the cutthroat competition that felled the USFL, it's the Alliance's uniform contract policy that truly makes sure payrolls are manageable for every team in the league. Here's Atlanta Legends GM Billy Devaney to explain. It's way much nicer here in the Alliance because everything is it's standard. Everybody's got the same contract. Everybody's got the same deals. There aren't any individual incentives. There are team, same standard team incentives built into contracts. So there are there's no negotiating with agents, which makes it heavenly. Uh, this is this is way more fun now dealing with agents than negotiating NFL contracts, I assure you. Also, the Alliance isn't going to try and woo underage players like Herschel Walker out of school before the NFL has a chance to pay them. Instead, the Alliance is getting its players from places the NFL may have overlooked. That means the time-honored tradition of tryouts. Good job! I heard about it, I was like, mm. I was a little skeptical at first. And so I, I let a week go by after I had checked out the website. And at that time, they weren't really um, giving out too much information. They were kind of keeping it, uh, you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, you'll see when it happens. That's Jonathan Massacoy, former NFL player with the Falcons, Titans, and Chiefs, and current player for the Birmingham Iron. Johnson is pressured and brought down. Jonathan Massaquan. So I went on there the following week and I saw that Saturday, uh, I believe it was a Saturday's performance was sold out. And so I was like, wow, I was like, this thing is, is really, you know, about to amp up. So I registered online and I went to the tryout in Atlanta on the 26th of August. Going down there, my mindset wasn't, I'm going down there to perform to get a spot. I was going down there to perform to, to show the only reason why I'm out of the league is because I needed shoulder surgery. And so I did well. They signed me three days later. Players lined up at the Combines to get one more chance to play pro football. For many players, the Alliance may be their last shot, or only shot, at playing pro ball. Let's go, 2 eight. Let's okay, go, Dave. two way. There you Dave. go. Keep going, Dave. There you go. These are guys who haven't played football within a, a calendar year. Guys who have probably been at home um, waiting for this opportunity. Guys who will go to um, drastic lengths to uh, get film. So um, if you if you've ever been around someone who has you know um, been out of football, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it's kind of like they're very soft-spoken, but they're ready to hit something. If the players are ready to hit, the coaches are ready to point them in the right direction, on the field, and hopefully to the next level. Really, you're going to have a chance with guys that are maybe getting a second chance or their first chance because they're an inch too short or a half a tick too slow to realize their dream and help them realize their dream, which is uh, moving on and uh, playing at the next level. That's Brad Childress, former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and current head coach of the Alliance team, the Atlanta Legends. Getting that last shot, especially in a sport like football, without a proper developmental league, can mean getting the opportunity to finally shine. One of the things in my first discussions with, with Bill Poling was, you know, Brad, 
we would love to be able to develop quarterbacks in this league. There's not enough of that. I know he's had conversations with Roger Goodell about that, about quarterback development and offensive line development. That doesn't mean that we're not developing defensive backs or wide receivers. But to be good at those positions, you have to play the game. And being on a 10-man practice squad and reading it off a card is not playing the game. You have to watch a guy play the game to see what kind of decision he makes under duress. I can remember about to send A.J. Feely to NFL Europe because I thought he just needed to play. And then, uh, lo and behold, he played for us in the last game in 2001 where they took every game and put it to the back of the schedule. He played very well, and I said, you know what? This is the guy I want to hold on to and develop myself. Your tape is your resume, and that's why I think this league is so valuable. A.J. Feely's tale is a more grounded version of Kurt Warner's famous story. A developmental league fairy tale, Warner went from a grocery bagger to an NFL Europe star to an NFL Hall of Famer. But even developing inexperienced players into competent starters like A.J. Feely would be a sign of success for the Alliance. They're expecting it. It's standard in every, every player's contract. There's an NFL out clause where if an NFL team even wants to work a player out, we can sign, and I tell kids, we can sign you tomorrow. And if the Atlanta Falcons want to work you out a month from now, you're free to go. If they want to work you out two months from now, you're free to go to work out. If they want to put you on their practice squad, you're free to go at any time. We'll be one of the three ways that uh, NFL teams will be able to populate their rosters with free agency, which is very expensive, with the draft. And then they're going to have to look at our league and see if there's individuals that uh, fit their makeup. I'm not worried about losing the guy. In fact, if I'm doing a great job with our guys, all 50 of the guys on our team would be able to make their way into the NFL roster and we'd start anew the next year. Fresh opportunities abound at every level of the alliance. Brad Childress's offensive coordinator will be Michael Vick, former NFL QB who's making his debut coaching at anything close to the coordinator level after working as an intern for the Chiefs last season. If Michael Vick is looking to be an NFL coach, well, he's got the perfect man in his corner to make that happen. New blood and familiar faces that have fallen out of football will mix in the alliance, which will hopefully deliver the level of play that people demand from a professional football league. At the Tangerine Bowl in Orlando, the Panthers met the Charleston Rockets. Second down. Get the product to the people. The fans had come for action and they really got it. This goes back to every league, whether it's NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, or NFL, or even MLS. And it starts with the foundation, which is the lifeblood of any franchise, as I said earlier, season tickets and, and, and tickets in general. And then you've got economies of scale as it relates to TV, which drives a huge part of our business. So I think expansion, but it all starts with the building blocks. And then that's where it can expand and explode. And, and that's how the league, I think, will ultimately see success in the long term. Great football means nothing if nobody can see it. Traditionally, ticket sales measured success. The gate proceeds were the main source of income for teams before television came into the picture, and still today can be the difference between starting in the red or in the black. The partisan fans have enjoyed it all uh, as they've watched their Jacksonville Sharks make their debut in the World Football League tonight before an extremely successful crowd of 59,112. And so that gives uh, the WFL for the six games played, the five last night and tonight, almost a 45,000 average for those ball games. 
the World Football League's early games looked to have amazing attendance until it got out that Philadelphia had given away over 40,000 tickets for free. In order to try and salvage the league and become solvent in their second season of operation, the WFL set a minimum attendance goal of 15,000 fans a game. And even missed that. The Alliance set its own attendance goal. But this one has a shot to work. You have to start with the idea of launching a league around the idea that it's a live event. So one of the greatest builders of new leagues and live events is a guy named Tom Beat, who's our head of business operations here at the league. And so Tom and I sat down very early on and laid out what would the structure need to look like to work? What's the minimum number of tickets you would have to sell season one to get to a reasonable degree of profitability and then work backwards from there to figure out how much money you have to raise? The Alliance has a resource that the WFL, USFL, and COFL didn't have when trying to negotiate stadium deals. The number of high-quality and capacity college football stadiums has boomed in the past 10 years. When you look at our stadium in Orlando, where we're playing the Spectrum Stadium, where the UCF Golden Knights play, that's a really beautiful new 44,000-seat stadium that is state-of-the-art that is basically empty during our season. And so our ability to go in there and play in that stadium is hugely, hugely beneficial for us. Similarly, when you look at the cities that we went to, we went to cities where we were filling a need, which the city could support with ticket sales and that the city would be a big benefactor. Our deal in San Antonio is incredibly beneficial to the city and they expanded as we decided to run our training camp there, etc. They also negotiate stadium deals as a league making sure that their new stadiums won't be built on toxic waste dumps, like the COFL's infamous Ironbound Stadium in New Jersey. Instead, they're working with the cities to ensure a mutually beneficial arrangement. Here's Birmingham Iron President Tom Ward again. In three years, we'll move into a brand new stadium in downtown right outside my window here that'll be 45,000 seats. The city here has just been awesome, really bending over backwards, rolling out the red carpet, and meeting us you know, with open arms. So it's there hasn't been a place we haven't gone where someone hasn't been excited about us because, uh, you know, they're an up-and-coming city and they, they want a pro football team and to show that they can support it. The Alliance also benefits from the modern TV landscape. It used to be the three networks, NBC, CBS, and ABC, would steer relatively clear of startup leagues, as not to anger the NFL, whose high-rating games they coveted. This would prove the downfall of the COFL and the WFL, who couldn't secure broadcast contracts with the big boys. Now, there's a plethora of ways to get on the airwaves, but sometimes, the old ones are still the best. Well, first and foremost, there's already an arrangement agreement set up with CBS, which is you know, the number one uh, network in the country. And then, so there's really three tiers. You got the national, the regional, and then the local level. We've met with really every TV station and outlet in town. Everyone wants to talk to us. And as soon as we get that schedule, we'll be out with RFPs to all the stations in the marketplace. And in the age of devices, the Alliance has an app for that. Fans will be able to stream any game on the Alliance's app for free. And that's not the only interaction the Alliance wants fans to have with their app either. The Alliance has developed technology to track players in real time during the games. Fans will be able to use up-to-the-second info from the field to play fantasy football and make bets. Just don't ask the Alliance to spill the beans on the specifics just yet. 
This will be the frustrating part of our interview where I tell you, wait and see. Um, I, I, I have been frustrated over the last three years that when I've floated concepts and ideas, I all of a sudden see them made manifest by my competitors. What I will tell you in concept about the app is this. The great barrier to users playing actively as opposed to passively. So what you talked about in terms of fantasy is the player picks their team on a Monday or a Friday or a Saturday, and then they watch the game happen on Sunday and they're a Twitter user. Even as these guys start to move into quote, in-game gaming, they don't have access to the data in real time coming off the players, where the, the player's position or how fast they're moving, et cetera. And so they can't really offer a product that is truly real time. What we've done is we built a combination of hardware and software proprietarily that allows us to have 100% real-time information flow. And then we've taken that and we've packaged it in a way so that the gamer um, can play as they're actually experiencing the football game. This would be the kind of info that would not only enhance fantasy football, but also gambling. With legal sports betting spreading across the country, the Alliance's deal with MGM as their exclusive gambling partner looks like a savvy move to secure a powerful ally. If you're looking to enjoy football, there sure will be a lot of ways to do it. Is it strictly a money situation with the World Football League? Are there other things involved, Pat? I'm sure there are other things involved. Uh, a change in scenery, perhaps. Third down. The little things. There's a million little things that go on behind the scenes to help football leagues thrive that the fans never see or don't care to. For every touchdown and sack, there's an electric bill that gets paid or a call that gets returned. Established leagues have infrastructure built in, so they almost run themselves. But the Alliance is starting from scratch. Here's Billy Devaney again. There's a ton of things that need to be checked off from hiring a head coach and then hiring assistant coaches and hiring support staff, trainers and equipment people and video video people and facilities and training camps. There's a ton of legwork involved, but I'm, I don't want to say it's chaos, but it, everything's being done in an orderly fashion. It's not enough to have a team. There needs to be a place to put it, a place to train, a place to do clerical work. If one doesn't exist, build it. Three weeks ago, I'm walk, we, were, we were still in the process of nailing down our our practice facility here in Atlanta. Um, we had a couple of possibilities that we were exploring. And one day I found myself in an office park, walking around a vacant office building with some real estate guy. And he's trying to explain to me just to imagine coaches off. We needed 12, 13 coaches office. And he's measuring office offices out and saying, now visualize here if you, if you need your staff room, your offensive room. And I said, dude, you got the wrong person. I'm a football guy. You're asking me to visualize office space. And I, I said, that is way over my head. You need somebody in here that really knows what they're talking about. I kept thinking, how in the world did I get here? I passed all, along the information to the powers that be, and I don't think I messed it up too bad. It seems like little stuff. If there aren't enough staples for copies, the team probably won't miss that field goal but it matters more than you might think. 
WFL players famously ate a team meal of biscuits and water before the World Bowl because team organizers couldn't arrange anything better. Organization often manifests itself by how a league cares for its players. The Alliance hired somebody who knows what players want. <laughs> I'm Heinz Ward, the head of football development of the Alliance Football League. Heinz Ward played in the NFL for 14 seasons and wanted to make sure the Alliance players were taken care of beyond just biscuits and water. The league actually listened to our players as far as how can we improve on the safety of the game by changing some of the rules and not having kickoffs, which we all know is probably one of the most dangerous plays in football, but also you know tweaking practice and scheduling and things like that. So we're making sure that guys aren't doing way too much at practice, doing some um, biometric testing by, on our players, you know, monitoring the players, how much when they get into the red, it's time to pull those guys back or just checking their everyday movement when they're out on the practice field. So I, know, I think our safety is top priority in our league. Changing the rules is a time-honored startup league tradition, but usually player safety isn't taken into account. Like the XFL's opening scramble, which had players run full speed and crash into each other to recover a ball 20 yards away in order to establish possession. Well, I'll tell you what, we have our, sustained our first injury of the night on the scramble for the ball king as the, as the Orlando player was trying to possess the ball. It looked like his shoulder got caught underneath him, and he may have a separated shoulder there. Well, I don't think I've ever seen anybody get injured during a coin toss. This is what makes the XFL different right off the bat. On that play, the first opening scramble of the year for the Orlando Rage, Free safety Hassan Shamsi-Din separated his shoulder and missed the rest of the season. In the Alliance, some rule changes are just designed to change play, like teams having to go for two and the play clock dropping to just 35 seconds. But others are to prevent injury. Eliminating kickoffs aims to protect the players from one of the highest risk plays in football. But the safety benefits do come with hidden drawbacks for the players. Them taking the kickoff away allows time to get get on the field and, and perform. But then again, it's like, man, taking kickoff away, you're taking away the position of those second, third string guys who probably may see 10 reps per game. But if you're trying to protect the player and the longevity of people, I see that. The Alliance may have taken a couple jobs from special teamers to ensure the safety of their biggest assets, but they're also making sure those players have opportunities to win jobs off the field if they can't win them on it. Say you take a player who, who's in our league uh, and for whatever reason doesn't make it to our NFL roster, well, we're going to have a program set up like uh, uh, financial counseling and internships and network opportunities within our league to help them with that transition when their football careers are done. And I'm all for giving advice, helping these guys out, helping them prepare for life after football. When players are taken care of, leagues can focus on making the product better for the audience. That's what we want our league, to really focus on the fan aspect of it. So we want to make sure that we make it affordable for a family of four to come out and enjoy a football game. Uh, we're trying to work on the, the, the length of the game you know, by shorting down some of the things, we really want to try to see if we can get a game in two and a half hours so you're not there all day long. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alliance of American Football founder and CEO, Charlie Ebersol. Fourth down. 
the Alliance. We call ourselves the Alliance because we're the Alliance of three things. We're the Alliance of the fans, we're the Alliance of the players, and we're Alliance of the game. Bringing those three things together ultimately was the most important thing, in our view, to putting quality football on the field. So where do we start? Most leagues start with the money. The owners, who use their capital to start teams, are granted franchises by league officials. This can be a problem for a couple reasons. The first being that it's tough to find potential owners who have the assets to build a team and the gumption to stick with them when they inevitably lose money in the beginning. Multimillionaires didn't acquire their wealth by investing in losing ventures. Making a brand new league starts with an acceptance of the borderline inevitability that you're going to fail and not just colossally fail as in the league goes away, but that the vast majority of your ideas are not going to work. I literally went into pitch meetings and told people to their face, if you take the money you're going to give me and put it in the middle of the table and light it on fire, you have potentially the same likelihood of seeing this money back. Then there's the second reason. When you have multiple owners running multiple businesses, there are bound to be inequities. In the case of a football league, that means good teams and bad teams, well-organized teams and chaotic teams, profitable teams and failing teams. In the business world, companies regularly outperform less successful companies into complete non-existence. But sports leagues are only healthy when all of the franchises are doing well. So the Alliance tried something different. There's no team ownership in my league. We treat our investment exactly like a Silicon Valley startup. Our investors come into financial rounds, we raise it at different valuations, and we raise our money through institutional and venture capital and family offices. So people are coming in and writing us, you know, $10 million checks, $50 million checks, $100 million checks that, that go into the parent company, which is the Alliance of American Football, and they get ownership in the overall league. They don't get ownership in the individual teams. This is one of the core philosophies that I believe in that I think killed most of the other leagues was that they ended up in situations where you had individual investors who are working against the best interests of the overall league. With no owners making selfish financial decisions, the Alliance has a unique advantage over the other failed leagues. Wealth, both monetary and talent, can be spread evenly. If there's a bunch of great players, and uh, say for Orlando, they get all the great players from Florida and stuff, but they have four great quarterbacks. Meanwhile, uh, Salt Lake City has no quarterbacks. It wouldn't be fair for Orlando to get that. Having three great quarterbacks, whoever is not the starting quarterback, it does us no justice. Why have two good quarterbacks behind someone and not give them the opportunity to go out there and showcase what they can do? No one wins in that situation. So I think the GMs uh, starts with them as far as what can they do, trade a player, and then if that doesn't happen, then I think the league kind of oversees that because, like I said, at the end of the day, we want to give everybody that opportunity to fulfill their dreams. And if we got three quarterbacks on one team and there's no quarterback on the other team, no one wins in that situation. Spreading talent around, especially in a league that operates with territories instead of a national draft system, will hopefully prevent small market teams from becoming perennial seller dwellers. It also does right by the players, giving guys who would have to sit on the bench behind a star an opportunity to play. Cooperation, not competition, drives the alliance. 
What if we brought football into the 21st century? Moving the chains. The Alliance lives up to its name. Internally, it seeks to better align the players, coaches, and league personnel. And externally, it's not trying to defeat the NFL. The COFL, WFL, USFL, and XFL all fought the shield and crumbled beneath the full force of the NFL. The Alliance isn't fighting, but trying to form a symbiosis. I look at us as a complementary league. I mean, we're not competing head-to-head -head with them during NFL season. We start a week later. There's 70,000 young men playing college football, and there's only 1,700 NFL jobs. There's a lot of football players out there that just need another additional skill set, maybe some experience to either start their career, to resurrect their career, or to extend their career. We provide a training ground that is missing. The NFL doesn't have what the NBA has or what the NHL has with the AHL or Major League Baseball has with its farm system. But I think we, they can look at us as, as a way to be a feeding ground to help stock additional NFL players. Even if they eventually do go the way of the action point or the opening scramble, the Alliance will have changed football. Sure, the NFL incorporated startup league rules, like the USFL's two-point conversion. But in a broader sense, the leagues pushed forward in more significant ways. The success of black players from small schools in the Continental Football League opened up the NFL to more black players on their own rosters. The Alliance is trying to open up professional football's gate even wider. The thing that I'm involved in right now is trying to bring diversity to our leagues by creating more opportunities for minorities, female football minds, and also the disabled. You know, I want everyone to be a part of our league. I, I want to take it there. In 10 years, the Alliance may be another fun league that burned hot and fast before flickering out. But learning from the mistakes of League's past gives it the best chance yet of hanging around. And you should be rooting for that. Let us rejoice, be glad and get paid. If you're a fan of football, the Alliance will give you more of what you love. More importantly, it'll push the game forward and give thousands of people an opportunity to share in the sport. So, without kicking off at all, the Alliance will kick off a new era in professional football. Special thanks for this episode of The Narrative goes out to Charlie Ebersol, Tom Ward, Billy Devaney, Brad Childress, Heinz Ward, Jonathan Massacoy, Tyler DePina, and the Alliance of American Football. If you like the podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It helps get the narrative out to more people. Or just tell a friend. You can tweet about the show using the hashtag SINarrative. I'm at Harry Swartout on Twitter. If you liked learning about defunct leagues, check out past episodes of the narrative. The episode General Election, Donald Trump, the New Jersey Generals, and the Race for the White House tackles the USFL. And Golden Opportunity, follows the short-lived Mexico Golden Aztecs of the Continental Football League. And as always, for more on the Alliance and other narratives moving the world of sport, log on to SI.com. <laughs>